It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, I think we can all agree that the 2022-23 Raptors are going to be pretty good, but what are we most excited about to watch with this team? We will dig into three things that we are each excited about on today's show with a wonderful guest. It's Freddie Revis from the Confederacy of Dunks. We'll dig into it all coming up on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Pete. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1223 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, July the 26th, I think. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast on all your favorite audio apps for free. You can also go to YouTube and watch the show in video form. See my mug every day, and you can subscribe there for free, too. Just a big, fat, red subscribe button waiting to be pressed by the prospective subscriber to the channel. So please go and support the show that way. It's much appreciated. And also, it helps stroke my ego, which is, frankly, the most important thing of all. Uh, thanks, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. And without further ado, let's get to it on today's show. We are digging into three three things that we are excited about to watch with the Toronto Raptors in the 2022-23 season. We have lists we have yet to reveal, and here with me to reveal said list is Freddie Rivas from the Confederacy of Dunks podcast, actor, comedian, man about town. Freddie, how's it going? Pretty good, you know, uh, loving this this offseason, even though there's been a lot of um, Durant noise. <laughs> I'm, uh-huh. I've I feel like I'm just pretty excited in general, but uh, yeah, thanks for having me, dude. Of course, man, and thank you for weathering through the the COVID blues to jump on the podcast here. It's your yeah. flu game, it's your COVID game. It's going to be fantastic. Is my, yeah. yeah, this is my like I, I was saying earlier. It's a this is my Matt Devlin. I think it was Matt Devlin and Alvin Williams and Matt Devlin. Oh was yeah, like, 
I need you to carry me. And Alvin Williams yeah. like, I'm not ready. <laughs> but yeah, you can hear it in my voice, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. It's coming through the, the headphones, like a nice, sweet, smooth baritone. It's actually okay. kind of nice. So you know uh, you maybe know, this look, is my sexy forward voice. To this. Yeah, it's like that episode of Friends where Phoebe becomes a sexy singer when she's sick. My stinky shoes. Uh, so yeah, let's get go with the, with the stinky shoes episode going on here. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Let's start here. We're going to go one by one and we're going to reveal our list of three specific things that we are very excited to watch with the upcoming Toronto Raptors season, assuming the team that is intact right now will be the team that is intact on the first day of the season. I think the idea of a Kevin Durant trade is growing a little more murky as the days go on here, as other teams jump in the fray and the Raptors have clearly drawn a line in the sand that they're not going to cross over in order to meet the Nets' demands. And so... Barring some sort of settling on the Nets end of things, I'm going forward assuming that Kevin Durant will not be a member of the Toronto Raptors, and I find that to be kind of exciting. It would have been cool to have KD on the team. If he is on the team at some point, it will be cool for sure. We'll talk about all that, but for now, I'm kind of all right to imagine what this team is going to look like with the core they have intact as they go into year number two of Vision 6-9, and Freddie, I will give you the floor. What is the first thing you are very excited to watch on this upcoming Toronto Raptors team? Okay, the first thing for me, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm not the biggest stats guy, so I and mm-hmm. I was looking for this, and I, I couldn't pull it up, so I wasn't sure how many games Siakam and Fred actually played together. Right, but in, you know, in my memory of the season, I feel like Fred's best basketball was sort of in that early season period, like not necessarily without Siakam, but like his All Star push, and then he hurt his hip. And then Siakam really kind of like rounded into all NBA form, not necessarily after the all-star break, but I feel like later in the season. And we never got to see those two play their, like the the peak of their new basketball together. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm getting big vibes. Like, you know, when, you know, one year you had DeRozan in the all-star game, uh, the next year you had Kyle. And then the third year we got them both. Yeah. So this year I'm hoping that these two, you know, can play together like the best basketball they've played all year at the same time. And, uh, you know, also their journey from the G League to being meaningful members of a, you know, a championship team. I I would just love to see that sort of crest or, I mean, you know, hopefully go even further. But like this year anyways, I'm looking forward to And I think it's a real possibility that they both make the All-Star game. Yeah, I think that's a really well-taken point. I think I've kind of stated that I'm a little cooler on the idea of Fred making the All-Star game because I kind of think Scotty might come and take that spot. Um, but it totally, totally could happen because he was fantastic last season before he ended up getting hurt. And let me just see if I can find the data here for the lineups as to how often those guys actually did play together. Because, again, it was not a whole lot. Um, But, yeah, I think it's just sort of the general idea of wanting to see this team together as a whole, like, kind of passes the the smell test quite a bit. Even just, like, the main five-man lineups, right? Like the Fred, Trent, OG, Siakam, Barnes group. Yes, Siakam and Fred are kind of the backbone of that, but they played a total of 700 possessions together this season. That's not a lot of possessions, man. Like, it's really, really Really? not. And, yeah, I'm trying to, as I fiddle around here with with, with NBA.com, please uh, forgive me, but... It is kind of wild that, you know, they went through a whole season having so little time 
with one another and yet still managed to win 48 games and managed to really coalesce by the end of the season while being kind of incomplete and not having all of their guys available to them. You know, OG missing a ton of time. Trent missed some spots here and there. Fred obviously was just not himself after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. It, it just was a a really impressive, I think, run for a team that probably, you know, based on the, the, the quality of players who they were missing, based on the lack of depth they had, probably didn't have the right to be as good as they were and win 48 games and be the yeah. sort of second-half darlings that they were. But it all kind of came together because I think the sort of raw talent on hand with all of these guys is good enough that even missing a couple parts, they were able to kind of pull through and continue on. It was really, really awesome to see. Just I've got the lineup data here now. The most used lineup for the Raptors, Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Trent Barnes, played 345 minutes, 700 possessions, 21 games they were together, Freddie. Wow. 21 games. It's nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just bonkers. Yeah, because for you, Fred was missing a lot of that like end of the season. We were like resting him and sort of flirting with like trying to keep him healthy for the playoffs. And like obviously mm-hmm. he was just toast. Mm-hmm. But I, for me, it's really about like Siakam playing his best basketball. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many things for the Raptors fell in line, you know, just like whether it's like precious being able to find a better role, you know, OG, not as like the first or second option, Scotty and, and Pascal playing so well together. And I think like the, the one, two of Fred and Pascal, like even just that, that, that play I love so much where Siakam's like, just, you know, beelining it up the court. And mm-hmm. Fred's trailing, and he just whips it back to Fred, and Fred drops like a 30-foot three. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like one of the Raptors' best plays. So, like, yeah. th- that alone, and I feel like that first chunk of the season sort of, like, marred a lot of this, a lot of the kind of chemistry. And, like, like you said, it's, it's amazing that they got it going like they did. And mm-hmm. think about starting a season like that is just, is, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, and when you so the the number of games that Siakam and Fred played together this year was fifty three of eighty two, which you know it was maybe more than I expect. No, I guess they they like Fred didn't miss a ton of time. He was just busted. Right. It wasn't like he missed like, yeah. a, a month of time, right? So it makes sense. But when you think about the sort of segments of the season, Pascal misses those first ten games, comes back, takes him like a month to really kind of round into form. It's not really until like the end of December where he hits like, oh my god, Pascal is like. Yep the best Pascal we've ever seen level. And then you get like a month of Fred and Pascal playing at sort of the peaks of their powers. They go through that run where they sort of run roughshod over the teams that they were kind of competing with in the Eastern Mm -hmm. Conference and that sort of stretch of eight games against the Bulls, the Hornets, the Hawks, and the Heat where they go seven and one. And then after that, the All-Star break comes and Fred is not the same for the rest of the season. So really it was like a month that we saw those two guys working together and it was maybe the best month the team had all season. So it does stand to reason in that with some health, with some better minutes management, those guys together should be a, a pretty fun combo. Um, let me quickly give you my number one thing I'm excited about, Freddie. It's it. pretty chalk. Uh, it's watching Scotty freaking Barnes play basketball again. Yes, I, I know yes. it's easy, but holy God, I think we have forgotten almost how freaking good Scotty Barnes was. 15, 8, and 4. I'm rounding up for effect uh, on those <laughs> <laughs> rebound and assist totals, but that's fine. It's mathematically sound. Um, you know, he was incredible and well beyond our expectations. What is the thing that you are most keying in on with Scotty this coming season? Is there like a specific aspect of his game you're really excited by? For me, it's not so specific. It's just like 
all of it because watching him sort of grow and learn throughout last season was such a satisfying thing to see. I kind of just want to see that again, but like a souped up version of it. But is there a specific thing you're kind of keying in on with Scotty? Is a particularly exciting element or wrinkle to his game? Um, I don't know if it's like if I would say exciting, but I, I'm super interested in his shooting. You know, I think right, we saw right. in, in Game Six of uh, of the Philly series that you know Doc Rivers was like, "You got to let this guy shoot. He's too good at everything else." Mm-hmm. And you know, to Scotty's credit, he did shoot. I feel like he went like one for seven from three. Yep, yep. in that game or something like that. And you know, that to me is so different than like a, a Ben Simmons or someone who's like kind of shriveling up like in the moment sort of thing. And I think, yeah, like Scotty just like, like, you know, I think you said it so well, like everything about him, his energy, his leadership, just his like, he, he has that amazing, you know, obviously he's, you know, it feels weird to compare him to Magic Johnson, but he has, he has <laughs> Magic that Johnson of, literally did it. So I think it's right? allowed. <laughs> but you know, he's got that, like, uh, like I'm a super nice guy, but also like, I'm going to steal the ball from LeBron, look back at him and dunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to steal the ball from KD, look down at him as he's on the ground. Like, I don't know. Scotty's just, he he definitely, uh, I know the comparisons are just crazy for Scotty, but he's really giving me like Vince Carter style energy. Like he's he's yeah. that exciting of a player. Yeah, the I think I saw someone mention it, maybe in the comments of the YouTube channel during the season last year, that Scotty Barnes is like a combination of Giannis and Jokic, which sounds insane and yeah. probably is insane. It but is, also, yeah, but... when you squint, it's like, well, there's a little bit of it, like the cool passes and also the fact that he's bigger and stronger than everybody else. Like, there's a blueprint there. It's not going to become that. He's not going to become the last three MVPs, last four MVPs or whatever. But, uh, I mean, it, it's cool to think about. Someone's got to become the best player in the league at some point maybe it's him uh <laughs> totally the thing i'm specifically excited about if there's one little element is the rest of the team getting wise to that scotty like sees the floor better than everybody else and like mm-hmm. being ready for his insane passes and his no looks and his like behind the back stuff and just the stuff that like the fastballs that come in at like 90 miles an hour that last season guys just seemed kind of unprepared for I feel like a little bit more time playing with him, a little bit more understanding. It's got to be kind of like what it was for, you know, anyone who played with like Steve Nash or any sort of transcendent passer. You have to realize, oh, this guy just like knows what I'm doing better than I even know what I'm doing. And there's like, there's got to be like an adjustment period there. I'm pretty excited for more conversions of ridiculous, outrageous, overzealous Scotty Barnes passes. And that is... Uh, something that's like keeping me going throughout the entire offseason, just thinking about, oh, Chris Boucher knows when those passes are coming now and yes. is now dunking yeah. instead of duffing it out of bounds. That's pretty rad to me. Uh, We're going to continue on here, Freddie. We each have two more things that we're very excited to watch on this upcoming Raptors team that we're going to get to. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar. We're making the best tasting protein bars in the world. And if you haven't tried them yet, the Built Bar Puffs are incredible. And you're depriving yourself of one of the greatest things in the world, which is a delicious, indulgent treat that is actually good for you and you don't have to feel bad about. And they have a brand new flavor. It's the Cookie Dough Chunk Puff. They're light. They're chewy. They got real cookie dough chunks in there. And they're covered in 100% 100% real chocolate. You got all the joys of eating cookie dough straight out of the tube without the hassle of making it, without the risk of salmonella, all of that good stuff. It is 
truly fantastic. You have only 160 calories in your typical bar, 15 grams of protein as well. It's collagen protein too, which absorbs into your body better. It is much better for you. And it's just going to give you a lot of health benefits while making you feel like you're being indulgent while actually not. You're maybe like half the calories of a typical candy bar, a fraction of the sugar as well, and it's going to feel like you're cheating. It's great for a late night snack. You can ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar Puff. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. This is the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at Built.com. Go get yourself some cookie dough chunk puffs. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day with Freddie Revis of the Confederacy of Dunks podcast and also the pickup, a Toronto Podcast Award nominated WNBA podcast. Freddie, I forgot to congratulate for that up the top, you. but well done, sir. Well done to you and Catherine, our uh, dear pal as well on this here podcast. Go listen to the pickup, baby. Um, Thank all you. right, Freddie. We got uh, more stuff that we're excited about to get into. Give me your number two thing you are very excited to watch for this coming Raptors season. Okay, number two is Gimmick Ball. Uh, I absolutely, (laughs) like, I think we were already doing it, right? And then we got the the Thad trade. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, this is full on. So we got Precious Mm -hmm. first off the bench. Then we got Boucher. Then we got Thad. And then mm-hmm. now, you know, you throw Otto in there and it's just like, it's wild. Like, I feel like we're leaning so hard into this. You know, I know that obviously like Fred and Gary are the exceptions to it, but right, I just love any version of like a stubborn Bobby or Masai excites me <laughs> because I'm like, these guys are geniuses and nurse too, you know? So like. Uh, you know, it, it's just this idea that that you know I, I've been frustrated before watching the Raptors scramble D, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like and in, in, in even like you know we were talking about like that that eight or eight or nine game run, um, mm-hmm. you know, just like running Fred into the ground, all all these kinds of things. Like I feel like that was all, it's all been practice that's been leading up to having a team that fits this identity that the mm-hmm. Raptors are going for. And I feel like we're kind of there. Like, you know, our first five guys off the bench are going to be six, nine, or six, or, you know, six, eight, six, nine, six, ten. Yeah. And they're not just like, you know, they're not all like Kem Birches. Like, they have a, like a totally different skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is the Precious Three real? I don't know. It looked good. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I feel like Boucher's really settled into his like hustle style bench you know, offense and defense mm-hmm. and a guy like Otto, you know, he, he started for uh, the, the warriors um, in, in the finals. Right. And yeah. in the playoffs. So he's just going to be perfect for this team. Like he's going to be, you know, you're talking about the, the Scotty passes, like Scotty's going to find him open all the time. Like his, his main play is a catch and shoot. So I, I think we're going to overwhelm teams. Mm-hmm. I also feel like, you know, we might run into some of the same issues of like half court offense, 
and like a foul heavy team or whatever. But it's just like it's a further step in this, you know, in this team that I think some people would see as redundant. Some mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, we, we need that center. But, uh, you know, and we got Coloco, but I think, you know, well, we'll see what, like where he's at. But I, I think to me, it's exciting that we're we're doing this sort of like almost like Oakland A's money ball, ver- <laughs> this, this, this new version of basketball. And it's not totally yeah. new, right? The Warriors were all like six, seven, six, eight. But I think that like the way we're doing it, this offensive rebounding, everything is just kind of new. And like the basketball nerd in me is just totally excited. Yeah, I think that it was like the real joy of last season's team, right? Was this sort of novel concept coming in and seeing the flaws of it and seeing maybe the chinks in the armor, but also seeing like what it was capable of when they were at their best. They were just like a swarming mess of a team to try to play against. And it was awesome to behold. And when they really got sort of into that positive feedback loop where, you know, they're forcing turnovers, they're running down your throat, they're defending like maniacs and forcing Mm -hmm. more turnovers. It just kind of felt like it was sort of like an avalanche of Raptors basketball kind of washing over you. And it was really, really sweet. And I think, you know, the interesting thing about all of that this season is like, how do they change things up a little bit? How do they sort of alter now that they have a little bit more shooting on on hand? Do they sort Mm -hmm. of tone down the aggressiveness on defense? Because maybe there's a pathway to a better half-court offense with the emergence of Pascal as an offensive hub and with Scotty Barnes likely taking a a creation leap and things like that. You know, does that help them sort of play a bit more of a chill style? Maybe just switch on defense as opposed to trying to, you Mm -hmm. know, break up every single pass? It's it's fascinating. I, I don't know, you know, how it'll all come together, but I do know for sure that I think, you know, in individual seasons, I think it's been sort of this sort of thing with Nick Nurse where people are like, wow, this guy is just so stuck in his ways. He refuses to change things up because, you know, he's got this certain, you know, plan. I I don't think that's true because every year they seem to have sort of gone into something different. And if you go back to the championship season in 2018, the whole thing with that team was they could beat you any way possible. They could beat you with Kawhi, without Kawhi. They could beat you with a switching defense. They could beat you with an over-aggressive defense. They could beat you with a drop defense. Like, they were so versatile in the way that they could beat teams, and Nick Nurse has had to coach to such different teams over the course of his time with the team. I really think that he doesn't get enough credit for being maneuverable in terms of his schemes. Whereas totally. maybe if you're just looking at the silo of a single season, you'll say, wow, he, this guy like really does not have many ideas, huh? He just kind of does the same thing over and over again. But if you sort of take the grand scope, like they've done all sorts of different stuff and been pretty successful at all of it. And the results outside of the Tampa season where, again, the team getting COVID was the reason that they you know kind of yeah. fell apart as they were ascending the East as they got hit by COVID, having just beaten a bunch of really good teams. You know, I, I do think... Uh, you know, if you sort of take the grand scheme, like big 10,000 foot view of Nick Nurse, the dude's a really good coach who can kind of coach to the talent he has on hand. And I think with a more sort of versatile set of skills on hand this year, we could see a little bit more in terms of ways they approach different games and sort of altering the game plan to suit the matchup as opposed to last year where it really felt like, all right, we're going to school you in this system and we're going to do it the entire year, even if it burns us just because we got to learn it. So I'm really curious to see how the gimmick ball evolves into maybe something with like multiple gimmicks layered in. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like gimmick lasagna, if you will. Um, gimmick I, lasagna. Yes. <laughs> my second thing I'm excited for is, and I just mentioned when the Raptors were beating all those good teams uh, in the Tampa season before things kind of fell apart. 
I'm excited to watch them go against the heavy hitters of the East. Uh, they were really good against them last year too, right? Like they beat Milwaukee. I think they swept Milwaukee. I know Giannis missed a game or two of the ones they played, but they were they had Milwaukee's number. They yep. obviously get the two massive games against the Sixers late in the season. They looked really good against Philly. Boston, they you know Boston kind of had their number. They beat them once or twice. Uh, you know, one game they didn't have any players available for it. So you know I, I, that bat Boston was really good. That, that's just the kind of way it is. But you know the Heat, they they played really well. Um, you know, even go to like the Western Conference and the the heavy hitters out there. They played those teams quite strong as well. You know, mm-hmm. beating the the sort of back to back in Denver and Phoenix is sort of the main example. Winning both of those games. They were 28 and 22 last year against teams over 500, despite starting off the season not very hot in that department. Wow. And I'm really curious to see how they sort of match up against those heavy hitters. Because I think everyone would agree they're probably a tier below the contender class in the East, but they've had a propensity for slugging with the best of them. And that to me is such a, a fun little wrinkle of the season. Every time you get to kind of see those measuring stick games, those totally. ones should be a ton of fun. Where are you at on the idea of them sort of going up against the class of the East and just being excited to see how it all unfolds? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I feel like, you know, I, I I'm, I'm excited. I, I mean, I don't enjoy the Sixers, but I'm excited yeah. by the, the moves they've made. But I don't really have the Sixers in a class above the Raptors. I kind of have the the Bucks and um, and the Celtics, sort of like significantly better than the Raptors. And I feel yeah. like the Raptors, you know, I'm not talking about the playoffs here, but as far as the regular season and measuring sticks, I just feel like we've we're we're, we're heading into like a you know like a, a regular season juggernaut style mm-hmm. Raptors season. And I feel like the Heat and the Sixers just because of their age and Embiid and, you know, a bunch of stuff. I feel like they don't, the, the Raptors are, are kind of like similar to them. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to, to see how they can like contend with those teams, you know, the Warriors. Uh, I'm, I, I hate the Celtics, but uh, I'm a, <laughs> very afraid of them. The Brogdon trade pissed me off. And, you know, Ime uh, Udoka is a, a great coach. And I feel like the, Celtics sort of are really good at punishing the Raptors like over aggression. So mm-hmm. that's probably the team I'm the most excited to, I guess, like see how we match up against. Right. And I think Tatum's obviously ascended, but I feel like the Siakam Tatum thing for me is still exciting. Like I still yeah. want Siakam to somehow best Tatum. <laughs> Maybe he can't. Maybe he's not on that level. But I do think Siakam is probably closer to Tatum than, you know, people give him credit for. Like, I, I do feel like Siakam's like a top 15 player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or, or, or right there, if not. Like, like made I all NBA. He, he made, it's yeah, in the pudding, right. man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, he made all NBA. I think he's often treated like he's a top, like, 30 player. And I just don't think that's fair. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see those coaching battles, too. And like you said, like, you know, uh, earlier, uh, as far as, like, us beating teams in different ways, mm-hmm. if, yeah, if Boston is punishing us for being overly aggressive, like, do we have a wrinkle? You know, um, is there a way to sort of, like, throw them off? Um, mm-hmm. If, you know, uh, if if Time Lord is basically blocking everything that comes his way, do we have a... a, a player that can kind of like get him in foul trouble or, or, or challenge that like paint dominance, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like h- how the Raptors sort of square up against the very best 
it, it's time to start thinking about it because I think we're yep. we're we're heading into that type of a year. I feel like there could be parts of the season where people, you know, they start to in the same way that we were like, we're going to beat Philly for sure. I could <laughs> see people being like, we're going to win the championship. And I just don't feel that. I feel like we're going to have some playoff struggles. But sure. those games are going to be, you know, yeah, just echoing your point. Like those games are going to be the big kind of like measuring sticks. Totally. And again, the track record is there. They've been very good against good teams for a while now. And, you know, if you couple that, like if they can replicate, you know, the 28 and 22 they had against plus 500 teams last year and also kind of get back to what they used to be known for, which was beating the tar out of bad teams, which was not a thing they did super well last year. Yes. They were only 20 and 12 against under 500 teams, which is a good record. But like they are, there were seasons where they were like 25 and two against sub 500 teams and stuff totally. like that in recent history. That I think will sort of pad the win total a little bit more, even if maybe there is a bit of a coming back to earth with the number of really good teams there are. Maybe they go more 500 ish against 500 or better teams, but they just beat the hell out of the bad teams. You know, either way, the games against the heavy hitters, I think, will be appointment television because this Raptors team gives those teams problems. You mentioned the Celtics, like Jason Tatum has often said the Raptors are the team that gives him the most trouble, has said that the 20, uh, 20 bubble series against the Raptors is like the toughest series he ever played. Like, there's yeah. as much as it seems like the Celtics maybe have the Raptors number, they very clearly respect what the Raptors do and are a little bit fearful of what they do and have said as much out loud. So, totally. uh, yeah, I'm fascinated to see the sort of cream of the East go against one another. And I think by the end of the season, we'll probably look as the Rap at the Raptors being closer to that contender tier, if not totally in it, than we will say sort of like the six through whatever tier of the Eastern Conference for sure. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. They're going to be good, man. I, I, I'm really bullish on this team in a way. I haven't been bullish on a Raptors team in a very, very Me long too. Time. Yeah. yeah. They're going to win feel, a lot of games. It, it feels like, you know, yeah, I was laughing at like the Vegas odds thing because I was like, man, you know. We're, Where are they we're, losing four wins from last year? Like, I, I, I don't get it. to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. I guess it's like, you know, knock on wood. Hopefully nothing happens. But it's like, mm -hmm. we're going to do better than 48 wins. Like, I'm, al I'm almost at the point where I'd be disappointed if we didn't crack 50. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you'd be like... Yeah, that they're. I what was the point you just said? I had something to go off of it. That my brain just totally melted. Uh <laughs> oh, just yeah. I, I I'd be disappointed if we if we didn't crack fifty and like you know Vegas yeah. putting us at forty four is sort of yeah yeah. It's, it's like I guess maybe that's to entice more betting, but like yeah, I I I don't know. I, I feel like that's like it's one of the sillier things I've seen last year. And I will say, I finally with a couple buddies put my money where my mouth was. And last year I won some money on the over. Hell yeah. Uh, to your point, I just, the, the brain came back and started working again. You mentioned like things could happen. Like all the things happened last year to this team. They missed guys. Totally. They had fans out of the building for half the season. Like a lot of stuff happened to potentially suppress the win total and they yeah. still won 48 games. So a weird yeah. fire. A weird fire, uh, their point guard becoming rubble, like it, it all happened and they still won a whole lot of games. So yeah, I, I am extremely bullish and again, those games against the top teams in the East are going to be awesome, awesome measuring sticks to watch. We're going to continue on and get to our final things we're excited about about this coming Raptors season. But first, just a reminder, you can check out Locked On Blue Jays every single day over on your favorite podcast apps and on YouTube as well as Ben Shulman, son of Dan and Matt Bonaparte take you through every single day of the Blue Jays season and detail all of the uh, embarrassment they lay on teams like the Boston Red Sox and the vaccine averse St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, they're doing great. So go check out Locked On Blue Jays. 
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, Freddie, let's close this thing out. We got one more thing each on our list of things we're excited about. We haven't overlapped just yet, which is fun. What is your thing number three? Okay. Um, yeah, I, you know, we almost did because I was going to pick Scotty and I was like, okay, he'll come up. Like, so <laughs> So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you picked him. But, you know, mine's sort of echoing some of the points that, I, that I've made earlier, but I feel like, you know, I, I don't necessarily think we're going to win 59 games, mm-hmm. but this team is really giving me bench mob vibes. Okay. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we're just going to be a team that sort of doesn't let up from the starters to to the bench. And, and maybe mm-hmm. that sort of also speaks to our starters not being as high level as some of the other starters in the league. Sure. But, you know, I really feel like, whether it's managing Fred's minutes more because we have more depth or, you know, whether it's like Thaddeus Young being a more integrated part of the team, having another shooter in auto. I just feel like we've solved a lot of our problems mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, nurses dealt with. And, you know, to your point earlier, like I was one of the people who I feel like was a little bit frustrated at, at how much nurse played you know, Fred and kind of running our guys into the ground, but you know, him and Masai sort of spoke at different points of the year about this year, not mattering. Like, I mean, yeah. it mattered, but it was sort of like training for the future. The regular I, season was their playoffs in a lot it of was. ways because they knew that it was more likely than not, they weren't going to go on a super deep run. So why not get exactly. the reps in now? And, and that's exactly what they did. And I feel yeah. like, you know, once you get past the disappointment of the Philly series, you know, which was also riddled with injuries and like a bunch of different stuff, you know, Gary having the flu, like there was a lot of like unlucky shit that happened, but like, yeah, this team, I just think, you know, also to your point about beating up on bad teams, Mm -hmm. I feel like we might finally have a team that is able to like route some teams and we might have more blowouts and like get Fred and Pascal some organic rest where it's not like, we're grinding to get every win. Sure. I just think we're, yeah, we're just built with a lot of depth. You know, obviously we, we don't like to talk about it, but um, you know, yeah, we don't talk about Bruno, but like, I feel like that way with, <laughs> with Tampa, right? You know, you think about guys like Matt Thomas and Stanley Johnson and DeAndre Bembry and Aaron Baines. And it's like, could they make this roster? And I don't Probably think not. So, right? Like <laughs> Stanley because, Johnson, noted fourth best player on the Lakers. Uh, yeah, good for it, him. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking for. I'm already sad at like the idea that the Raptors might be cutting some guys that I really like. 
Right. Um, you know, I don't know who that's going to be. And like, you know, but yeah, they're, we're just really, I don't want to say we're like the deepest team in the league, but I think we're starting to have like intense depth, which also I think we're seeing reflected in, in the Kevin Durant trade talk. I think mm-hmm. a big part of it is that we have a lot of different contracts. We have a lot of good players, you know, no one's overpaid or whatever, which is always a, a weird term to describe players making mm-hmm. money. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, we're just, we have a lot of quality players and Scotty is crazy. And OG wants a bigger role, which is like, great, buddy, yeah. do it. I'm, I'm yeah. excited for it. Go seize um, it, man. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Seize the day. Like, you know, uh, and a guy like Coloco can come along like as slow as he needs to. Mm-hmm. I just think that, yeah, it's giving me big bench mob vibes where, you know, I think we're going to just really have good chemistry too. I love it. I love it. As a, <laughs> a big fan of those bench mob teams, I, I would be very, very happy for a bench mob renaissance 100% with Otto Porter being the tall CJ Miles who doesn't do raps. Uh, ah. We're going to, uh, I got my last thing I'm really excited for. And it actually kind of goes into the idea of the team not having to sort of exhaust everything to win every game in, you know, close fashion down the Mm -hmm. stretch. But that sort of fact of last season did create some pretty interesting results, specifically as it related to crunch time and how the Raptors performed there, where they were one of the best teams in the league. They had a 112.3 offensive rating, seventh in the league in crunch time, which is per NBA.com games within five points under five minutes in the fourth quarter uh 102.8 defensive rating eighth best in the league there they were seventh best in overall net rating in crunch time plus uh, plus 9.5 they were 26 and 19 in games that came down to clutch moments so lots of games that were in this situation and they played the third most clutch minutes of any team in the league 181 which is a lot Hopefully, don't have to play that many this time around because there's some blowouts worked in because they just not they did not blow out a lot of teams last season. But no. I do wonder if actually not wonder what I'm excited about is to see how real all of that was because there's now a growing track record going back to 2019-20 where the Raptors were an unbelievable monster in crunch time where they had the, like the second best offense, the third best defense. They were a plus 20 uh, per 100 possessions in crunch time. Like they were just unstoppable. The only team better than them in crunch time was the Chris Paul, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Dennis Schroeder Thunder, which is kind of hilarious ha. and awesome. Um, but with that, like I think... There's a growing track record that Pascal Siakam-centered offenses can score in the clutch. It was why I was pretty confident that things were going to carry over to the postseason pretty well for Siakam last season, and they did. He was really good for the most part in that series against Philly, despite the difficult circumstances with little shooting around him and Gary Trent being out and Scotty missing time. He was still clearly the best player for the team in that series by a mile. And I'm really curious to see if we can kind of get a little bit more proof of concept that crunch time and sort of like chips down basketball is a place where this Raptors team can kind of thrive. It's a mm-hmm. little bit maybe against conventional wisdom because they're not a great half court team sort of in the general flow of things. But I think because they have a lot of isolation talent with Siakam, with Scotty Barnes, because they have a lot of options, because they had, you know, five guys who could hit a game winner at any point last season. And that happened at various times throughout the year yep. where OG, Fred, Scotty, Pascal, uh, was the other guy, OG Fred, but Gary, uh, all those guys at some point had a big moment late in the game. 
I think for me, I'm fascinated to see if that can carry over into next season. We know crunch time is always a small sample, just 181 minutes. That's not a whole lot. Yeah. But I do wonder if there's a bit of a growing trend here that could carry over to next season and the Raptors perform once again very well in the clutch, which again, I think offers a lot of hints as to how the team might perform in the sort of gauntlet of the playoffs. Where are you at with the idea of them being a crunch time monster? Are you sort of a believer in that they can be based on the construction of the team? Or are you maybe sort of in wait and see mode after a season where they were very good, but this doesn't really, it's kind of like bullpens in the, in baseball where it doesn't always translate year to year. Yeah. You know, I think you made a lot of good points and I feel like Siakam is he's just such an unconventional player his Mm -hmm. rise to greatness is really hard to track he's so unlike many you know all NBA players you know before him and I think one thing that I feel like when it comes to crunch time people are sort of it's perception based and I feel like a lot of a lot of crunch time is sort of stuck on this idea of like the fadeaway and, and who can hit this, like, long bomb shot. And I feel like Siakam does a lot of flicks, a lot of hooks, a lot of just sort of, like, making things happen. And as someone who's watched the finals run over and over and over, you can just rack up the Siakam crunch plays, whether it's, mm-hmm. like, a meaningful steal against the Bucks, uh to close out, like, the conference finals, or, like, literally the game... Uh, or the the finals winning shot over Draymond Green. Siakam is very clutch, but I feel like there's this idea that, you know, I think clutch has to come in a certain way. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's like, you know, Dame time sort of vibe where we might not be like that. Maybe Gary's like that, but I feel like even even, um, Scotty has a lot of that Mm -hmm. energy where he can just sort of go get a bucket. Yeah. And and yeah, I, I do think the Raptors are clutch also on defense. So I, I'm totally with you. I, I the, there is this energy that kind of puts the Raptors. I, I mean, I even said it like they're struggling in the half court, but they can execute at a very, very high level. And mm-hmm. I, I, I expect them to be a, a really good clutch team. Yeah, the point you made about the defense is one I meant to make and forgot to. So thank you for being better at my job than me. Uh, but never, you, never, Sean. Uh, it, it is a really good point. That 2019-20 season where they were a monster, where they were a 60-plus win pace team, like the two cruxes of their crunch time success were the Lowry Siakam pick and roll, whatever mm-hmm. way you wanted to run it, 4-1-1-4, and the fact that their defense was impenetrable. They were yeah. so, so good and ruined so many games for other teams just by not even letting them get a potential game-tying or winning shot off. And I think mm-hmm. like the idea of a defense being a weapon in crunch time is kind of slept on because we love buckets and we love buzzer beaters and all this yes. stuff, but yeah. the number of times the Raptors have won games in recent seasons just by being just monstrous defensively that's a whole it's like the sixth player they have on the floor in addition to the five guys who can hit a game winner at any time um so yeah i i am really like again really bullish on this team and i grow more bullish the day by day the numbers kind of all point to this team's going to be a monster to deal with next season and uh it's going to be a ton of fun to watch uh with that i think we are going to round out today's show freddie Thank you so much for popping on. It was great to have you. Thank you for talking through the throat of a COVID-afflicted uh, <laughs> fellow and doing a fantastic job with it. Where can people check out all your great stuff? 
Um, no problem, Sean. I love this pod. And uh, yeah, this is my flu game, man. I feel like I, I made it, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it, check me out uh, on Twitter uh, at, at Freddie Revis. But uh, my, my podcast on Raptors Republic is at Confederacy of Dunks. And uh, also check out my, um, you know, now uh, yeah, uh, a nominated for Canadian podcast. Say it award. loud, baby. <laughs> nominated. Actually, maybe I can't scream. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, the the pickup WNBA podcast where me and Catherine Niker from uh, Buckets and Tea, uh, our approach is learning about the WNBA, and it's so fun. It's such an mm-hmm. incredible league. Um, you know, I think if you're a sports nerd, it's amazing. If you love personal stories, it's amazing. So um, yeah, check us out. We just got a you know a Twitter, and we started doing the socials for uh, for the WNBA pod at, uh, uh, at the Pickup Pod. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, check it out. And uh, Sean, thank you so much, dude. Of course, man. It was great having you. And it was great to have all you listeners out there hanging out for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Freddie will be back as we are going to talk about a great Raptors heartbreak in the series I'm recording to drop while I'm away on my honeymoon in August. So you have that to look forward to. It's going to be very sad. Maybe the worst one that I've ever at least seen in person. It's going to be rough. I won't spoil it too, too much. But uh, either way, that you have to look forward to. More Freddie on the pod in the coming weeks. Uh, You can find this podcast, of course, on all your favorite podcast apps free to subscribe both on youtube and on the audio platforms and a huge thank you for making us your first listen of the day go make your second listen of the day locked on nba as they are covering all the happenings jalen brown and the 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 celtics and the kevin durant thing and everything else going on go check out locked on nba today on your favorite podcast apps and as always on youtube as well and with that we'll round it up there we'll talk to you again on wednesday with another episode of locked on raptors bye-bye Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.